0: All right, everybody, welcome to the Hoyt Boning Podcast. This is Jeremy Eldridge. I'm the marketing manager at Hoyt, and today we're just going to switch it up just a little bit. We've got Alan Bolin, our normal host, with us, but he just got back from 28 days of hunting. Uh, He spent a bunch of time in Alaska, and he's been doing this trip up there for a while, and I'm so curious about it because it seems like it's a trip most of us could go do and Alan's kind of hinted that it's, yeah, it's super obtainable, man. It's affordable. It's, it's, you know, it's an adventure. So man, I want to ask him about it and get some information. So Alan, dude, welcome back. You were gone. Hey, thanks. All of August.
1: Yeah. 28 days out of August, I was gone in the bush, like out of, out of uh, completely off the hook. So yeah, it's, it was, it was long actually. Uh, You know, I've done lots of like, you know, 15, 16 day excursions, but, but 28 days was a, was a long time. I did switch locations halfway through, but still it was, it was a long trip, but yeah, you know, um, Sitka blacktail deer hunting is, um, it's an amazing, amazing adventure. And I've been telling people about it. You know, I'm a mountain goat outfitter in British Columbia and it is no different than mountain goat hunting. It, it it feels like the country is the same. You're up in the really? in the high alpine. It's yeah. cliffy. It's brutal. It's rugged. You're up above the tree line. You're you're camping in this very adverse com- conditions with awful weather. I mean, you have to have a lot of toughness. You cover. You can cover a lot of ground. It 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 really reminds me a lot of mountain goat hunting, except there's way more game, and you, you, if you wanted to, you could shoot multiple deer. Um, it's, it's (laughs) it's an absolute blast. Uh, depending on the area, the area I was hunting, you can get four tags. Uh, wow! I've never killed more than one buck, but I, you know, I, and I usually spend a couple weeks looking for the buck. I mean, it's like, I'm super picky on, on what I want to shoot, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you have that option, you know? Um, but you know, I was in Southeast Jeremy. So like, you know, people talk a lot about, um, the deer hunt on Kodiak, yeah. which I've been on Kodiak hunting bears. Uh, but I, I, you know, so I see the deer and, and it looks like it'd be awesome, but it's very different. It's it's, um, from what I'm talking about. So yeah. um, i got
0: my sights set on that. Like I, I'm planning a hunt for next year there. So okay, I'm curious to see, you know, how your experience is different than that.
1: Yeah. So. Kodiak would be more set up for like day hunting and, yeah. you know, either off, you know, you could do it out of a cabin or off of a boat or off of the road system. And you could have a base camp and, you know, it, it's, it's classic, you know, the the whole Sitka blacktail deer on, on Kodiak Island is, it's almost nostalgic. You know, you hear all the stories of, you know, Chuck Adams and, right. and Jack Frost and all these guys <laughs> like, you know, for the last 40 years, they've been hunting these, these blacktail bucks. And it really, it's super, super cool. Um, but the Southeast Alaska thing is way different. It is much more now I, I've heard you can go hunt them late in the rut and that would be more of a base camp type hunt, but I'm talking yeah. about the early season Alpine hunt. Okay. It is an absolute backcountry backpacking, northern adventure just like sheep hunting goat hunting mountain caribou hunting it's i do all of those every year and the blacktail hunt is every bit as exciting if not more if not more and you can do it alone you don't have to hire a guide
0: that's what i was just gonna say so it's that's where the affordability probably comes in is it's a it's a diy adventure um you get this like just like you're saying you get the same terrain and the, the adventure of backpacking in and you get all that as a, that you get on a sheep hunt or a goat hunt, but, uh, man, uh, probably a fraction of the price. And those black deer are way cool. Like I can't wait to get up there and try and fill my tag with, the, with a blacktail. So, um, anyway, yeah, I, I love to hear more about, it. I, I can't wait to hear. I heard you kind of hinted that you shot a good buck. Yeah. And you gave me a quick <laughs> glimpse of a pitcher, but you you were being a little stingy with it. But yeah. So it sounds like you had a good hunt.
1: Well, yeah. So I've I've so my goal, you know, I my goal with the black deer is I want to shoot one with my bow that qualifies for Boone and Crockett, which is 108. And I want to do it on my own, unguided, you know, self-guided and and uh unsupported. I just have a pilot drop me at a lake. I've, I've taken my son a couple times. I've been doing it for a few years now and, and I've, I've killed, um, the last three years I've killed really big deer. Um, like, you know, top 20, 30 all time type deer, but that Boone and Crockett mark is super tough to hit. And, um, I, I I don't know, man, this, this buck I killed this year, my tape, my tape says he's a giant. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) We'll see what happens. I mean, you know, you know, um, yeah, anyway, we'll see what happens, but he's, he's a big deer. Oh, it, awesome. And and I was so, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, normally, and we can talk more about methods, but, um, still hunting is actually a very good method for, for these deer. What I mean by still hunting is moving through the Alpine and glassing yeah. in front of you over the next rise and over the next rise. Um, it actually is a, is a, quite a good method but typically not for monster deer i mean if you want to shoot a monster you got to get behind glass and and sit there 12 hours a day and glass you know dozens of miles of mountain range you know i mean people would be shocked but on a sitka blacktail deer hunt i bring my 15s um, my Leica 15s, I bring a giant spotting scope. I, I bring a, a ton of like high powered optics because I sit there and I glass and glass and glass. But this year, I actually walked into that buck, which never happened. You never wow. walk into yeah. like some monster. You know, it's just the odds are so incredibly low. But I walked into them. We had full packs. I had to. Him. What's that? Did you bump him or you just were able to? I, I, I saw some antler tips. And I was, there was four of us, my son, and he brought a friend and then Luke, uh, Johnson was long, uh, filming. And so I was leading, walking down a deer trail and I saw smoke and fresh tracks on this deer trail. So my, my, my senses were on alert and I saw some antler tips about 70, 80 yards out and it, and it was just a normal buck. Um, and then I saw another buck with him. Like there's several bucks here, guys, let's get down and see what's going on. And they're only 70, 80 yards away. And, uh, and then I see this giant. And I'm, I couldn't believe it because I've been in this spot many times and I've never seen a big deer. And and I'll talk about that in a minute because it's the, the spot I had actually ruined the first time I went there. But um, so so they kind of like all kind of uh, started breaking up a little bit. I think one of them may have seen us, but they just weren't sure what was going on. And, and this buck fed off into this little dip. And so Luke and I um, got up there quick and this dip is like, there was a lot of dips, but we saw all the other deer sort of leave, and we never saw that buck. And it, it, you'd think there's no way that deer is in that, behind that dip, and we're only fifteen yards from it. And I'm like, I'm like, Luke, he's there, he's got to be there. There's no place else he can be. Let's sit. So we sat for like five or ten minutes, and there's no buck, and there's this tiny little draw in front of us. And all of a sudden, he comes out. I come to full draw, I hit him at like fourteen yards.
0: Oh and, uh, my
1: word! Yeah, it was. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. And they're in velvet
0: this time of yeah,
1: year. Yeah. Yeah. The velvet's gorgeous. Um oh, They're man. beautiful deer. They're, they're capes, especially the late season cape on a Sitka Blacktail. <laughs> it's
0: yeah. the prettiest cape of any deer. I it, agree, man. They're so dang pretty. They're so awesome. Pretty. So when the, this time of year when they're in their velvet, is it similar to like muleys where they're they're gonna hang out in different places once they yeah. strip their but maybe they're in the cover more and it's harder to get to them.
1: So Southeast Alaska is incredibly thick. Um, it, you know, so I outfit goats a hundred miles from from Southeast Alaska, like Terrace, BC. So the country that I goat hunt in, um, that I've goat hunted in since 2004 when we bought our area is the exact same country. And I'm telling you this stuff, you can, when, when stuff's in the timber, it is extremely hard to hunt. It is so thick and nasty and getting through it. Like when you're looking at planning a hunt and you think, oh, I could just hike up this right here and get into the Alpine. Well, realize to get from sea level to Alpine, if it, if it's (laughs) not cliffed out is going to take you six to eight hours to, to climb, um, 2,500 feet. Yeah. I mean, it is, It's brutal, brutal stuff, dead fall and and, it it can be so nasty, um, and, and impassable at times. And, you know, and, and Jeremy remind me later, let's talk about safety because it is a big issue in Southeast Alaska. Like you, you have to have the right equipment and you have to, you know, set certain ground rules for yourself on, on the way you're going to manage your hunt, um, that are important, but, but back to your question on, where they are. So when they're in velvet, they'll be above treeline, the bucks will be. And and you'll see more bucks than does typically above treeline. And it's a great time to hunt them. And they, you know, they strip out of their velvet in early September, and then uh, you won't see these deer. They're, they're in the bush. And now there's a window later, you can do some calling and stuff in the rut. I've never done that, but I know people really enjoy that. They grunt them in and all of that but I've, I've really keyed in on this early season velvet alpine hunt. Now, one thing that's interesting about these deer is when you come up on them, they, they seem a little dumb, like they'll stand there and look at you and they'll give you plenty of time to make a shot. And, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll see you and then they'll walk over a little rise and you can walk up to that rise and there they are at 40 yards and you dart them. They, They do stuff like that. That's, that's not the brightest. But one thing I'll tell you is once they sense you in the Alpine, they're gone and you won't see really? them again. So they'll, they're dumb once. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll never see them again.
0: <laughs> gotcha. And,
1: yeah, and so the first year I went up there, Jake and I, we, we found this nice high perch to glass from and we set up our tent. We thought, this is amazing. We were in a day or two before the season. We started glassing up all these big bucks and we walked through this area and you know we see tons of deer. And, and, uh, these, these rifle hunters came in behind us on opening morning and they're like, guys, and they were super nice, but they're like, guys, you're camped in the Alpine. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's where, you know, that's how we can glass and see things. He's like, yeah, you're going to push all these deer out of here. And sure enough, I mean, those guys shot a couple deer and Jake actually shot a great buck too, opening morning, but that was it. Like we, a couple days later, there was not a buck to be seen in that whole patch of Alpine. So when you approach the alpine camp below it um in an area where you're not going to pressure the alpine and then gingerly move into the alpine glass it from a distance if you're going to still hunt it be ready to go be ready to shoot you know and and get through it and see it because uh you might be able to do that a couple of times but once all those deer kind of catch on that they're not going to be there anymore
0: if that makes sense that's that does make sense but it seems completely logical to hey, let's set our camp right here. We can glass from camp and it seems like a good plan, but not yeah. so much. Huh?
1: Yeah, for mule deer hunting, you know, I, I would want to be on the highest perch and I'm going to glass these basins and they're not really going to sense me. Um, you know, and, and you can do some of that. Like if, it, you know, if you're glassing across to other mountains and stuff, obviously you got to be a, in a place where you can see, but you should have looked through the alpine you're about to pitch your tent in before you do that. Yeah. You want to make sure that area is like You understand what's going on there, and then okay, I'm going to put my tent here and gloss the next mountain. That's fine,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah, Uh, right on. Well, so one thing I've been curious about is how you like start at the beginning. Like, how do you book this or plan this or what are the logistics for this hunt? Because I mean, hiking. You know, you said if you start at sea level and hike up, that doesn't sound very fun. But is that is that the only way, or are there other ways you're getting into your hunting spot? And um, yeah. Just, just you know, from someone who hasn't done it before, and what, what's the what's the procedure, the process? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. So, you, you need some sort of access, um, which would be boat, plane, or or truck or quad. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a good road system through Southeast Alaska. A lot of the islands have a lot of roads. Um, you know, there's all these different. Uh, islands down, you know, in the Ketchikan and Juneau area. So you would base out of probably what I do is I base out of Ketchikan or Juneau and I get a a charter plane. I, I hire a float plane and I just get on Google and find a charter company. And then I call them and I say, hey, do you guys fly hunters? And they say, sure. And I say, okay, I was looking on Google Earth and I saw this lake. What do you think about that lake? Do you ever fly hunters in there? And they say, oh yeah, we've, we've flown hunters in there. And I say, did they kill deer? They're like, Yeah, they did actually. It was it's a good spot. So you can get some information from the pilots yeah. that way too, right? <laughs> and, right. and uh, but you want to go to them with some ideas. You know, it's like, it's like calling a biologist for the state. If you say, hey, where do I go hunting? I mean, that's not a very, I don't know that, they would be very inspired to share a lot of information. But if you right. say, "Hey, I've been looking on the maps. Here's the different areas I've been looking at. Here's what I've heard about this area. What do you think?" You know, and you have, you know, you you bring something to the conversation. They're more likely to share back. Right. And so, so that's what I've done. I've I've flown into de- several different lakes. Um, I've I've flown in sea level as well. You can fly into the ocean and then hike up. Um, you want to target alpine, which you know what that looks like. On, on a map, if you're looking at a top of a map, it's going to be all white. Um, if you're looking at Google earth, you'll, you can tell where there aren't trees. You want big yeah. areas like that. And there's going to be deer there. Um, there's a, there are big road networks. And I, I have friends who've rented cars, rented, rented the truck and, and they, they, they drive in, into, and they find high spots where logging roads take them pretty high. And then it's just like a, a mile or two to the Alpine. And they actually day hunt that sometimes like that, okay. but it, I, I think it would be much more effective to take a light camp and stay. If you find a little patch of Alpine, you have a truck. This is what I would do is I would plan two to three days and I would hike up there and I'd take a tent and a light setup, and I would look over that Alpine for two or three days. Then I'd go back to my truck and I'd find the next spot and I'd do the same thing. And if I were looking for a big buck, which that's kind of how I like to hunt, um, you know, and, and, and these big bucks there, you know, these, these sick of black deer, I found that I have to look over more than a hundred bucks before I see a four by four. Oh, really? That's how rare they are. Yep. So, and, and a hundred bucks is a lot. I mean, it's not like you're, you know, I mean, it might take you a week in the Alpine to see a hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, of, of moving a lot, moving your camp. Like, I, you know, I'll move, I, you know, on a two week hunt, I'll move my camp five or six times through mountain ranges and, and during that time, I'll probably see 120 to 150 bucks and one or two will be a four by four. So, which, you know, with these deer, you should not be, uh, opposed to shooting a, a nice three point three by three uh-huh. high guards. Those are gorgeous. And and it's yeah. not like a mule deer where the four by four is so common where, you, you know, and obviously we all like a big three point mule deer too, but But you probably wouldn't shoot like a two by three mule deer if you were like, you know, well invested into like trying to find a representative of the species. But for Sitka blacktail deer, a giant two by three is a representative of the species.
0: I was just going to ask that. If you're seeing 150 bucks during your trip, I mean, most of us, you know, me included would probably be happy with what 50, 60% of those bucks are all good bucks. I mean. Or yeah. or is it really a matter of holding out to
1: try? No, th- there things? are a lot of mature deer. It's not an age problem uh, with finding four by fours. It's just different genetics, you yeah. know, and that four by four genetic is so rare. And I just, you know, Jeremy, dude, I'm weird the way I hunt. Uh, I just, I, I set my sights on like certain specific goals and I just, I just get so determined on it. I just pass everything, <laughs> you know? I mean, I've been doll sheep hunting eight times and I've never been on a stock because I'm looking for a very particular ram and I haven't seen him yet. So I haven't made a stock and it's, I, and I've had, I've seen, I don't know, I don't know, 30 legal rams probably on those hunts. So, you know, it's not, it's, it's just the way I do it, but there's definitely, um, you should go with a little bit different expectation. If you're a mule deer hunter of what the deer should look like, because these giant mature two by threes and three by threes or two by fours or whatever, that's just how they are, and they're gorgeous. Yeah. They're amazing, amazing, mature, you know, uh, awesome animals. Right on. So, did cool. I answer your question about logistics? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I mean, it sounds like you got several options. You can you can fly into Ketchikan or Juneau, rent a car, and and go, you know, do a kind of car camping, if you will. Yep. And, and the islands, that.
1: like Prince of Wales, has a big road network and. You know, there's, and there's lots of little islands around Prince of Wales. You can fly into, you do have, there's certain areas, the season starts August 1st, but there are certain areas like on Prince of Wales, you can't hunt until August 15th. So you got to watch the regs and it's not a fish and game law. It's a federal land law that gives the residents of the island an extra 15 days to subsistence hunt. So, gotcha. you have to like, you do have to do some reading and get on message boards. And if you search, you'll find old message boards and stuff that talk about these things. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of ways to hunt and it's not expensive. Like, you know, a float plane flight two ways is like a thousand bucks, maybe 1200 bucks, depending on how far you're flying.
0: Um, is that a, a, is that a person or, or is that a no for the plane. plane? And so, if you have two or three yeah. buddies with you, you're, you're three or four hundred bucks each for a float plane.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So if you're taking that's a beaver, the beaver's probably like fourteen hundred, and it can take you know four guys, four, four or five guys, no problem. Uh, if you t- if you if you find like um, uh, a smaller plane, um, which I've taken as well, it's cheaper. It's only like four hundred bucks each way, but it can only take two guys. Okay. Uh, and those are pretty short flights. You know, if you pick some lake that's you know two hour flight from Ketchikan, that's going to be extremely expensive. But if you find one that's a 20, 30 minute flight, it's going to be a cheap flight. So I would think that the car rental or the boat rental or the quad rental is going to be very similar to the float plane cost. And then you've got your commercial flight, which, you know, whatever, that's 800 bucks, say round trip. And then your hunting tags, it's 300 bucks for a deer tag and I think 160 for the license. So these are very manageable costs. For people, for somebody who wants to save up and put their hard hard earned money into an adventure, people say, "Oh man, you know, I don't have the money to go sheep hunting or goat hunting or mountain caribou hunting." Well, you can go sit to blacktail deer hunting, yeah. and it is a true backpacking adventure in Alaska.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the all those costs you just listed you're you're fifteen hundred bucks, two thousand bucks at the most, which that's still a chunk of cash. But I mean, the guys are paying three, four thousand for a white tail hunt. Six day right. white tail hunt. You know, so it's just a matter, I guess, of priority and what you want to do and what you want to go experience. But that's I mean, that's obtainable. That's it that's is pretty cool.
1: You know, Jeremy, um, people um overestimate how difficult it is to hunt in Alaska. I do so much self-guided hunting in Alaska. You know, I've I've gone caribou hunting multiple times, three times, like big trips. Um Last time I, this is how easy it is. Last time I, I was going caribou hunting. We, our plane got canceled, and we got stuck in in Anchorage for like three or four days in Anchorage with nothing to do. So I'm like, I'm not going to sit here with nothing to do. So I pulled out the regs. I went to Walmart or something and got the regs. Read <laughs> up on the bear areas and found a bear area that was open an hour out of town. I bought a bear tag for cheap, and I had a rental car, and we went bear hunting. And my buddy got on this bear. We got, I mean, just super close to killing a great black bear. And we had three or four days to do nothing. And we went black bear hunting in Alaska. We didn't know anything. We had a car and the regs. Yeah. That's how easy it is. Anybody can do that.
0: Yeah. It can, it can seem intimidating. I mean, it's Alaska, right? It can definitely seem intimidating, but um, that's good advice. It's, it is, I mean, it's something, you know, you can pull off pretty easily. Uh, Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, what's the, I mean, you talked a little bit about the train. I mean, it's you know, in the Alpine. What, what about the weather this time of year? Is it, is it like hunting mule deer? It's hot and sunny or is it rainforest yeah. type stuff?
1: I mean, what <laughs> do you got to be prepared for? It is literally a rainforest. It's a coastal rainforest. Yeah. So, um, it is, it's super wet and you've got to be prepared with, with good gear that, that, um, keeps you dry and, and also some, some skills and, and, um, understanding of how staying dry works. Um, but yeah, be ready to, to, to get wet, be ready to spend days in your tent. Um, the first year I went, the weather was gorgeous out of 14 days, or maybe that was only 12 or 13 days, but we only lost maybe three days to weather where we couldn't get out of the tent. Um, last year
0: like why can't you get out of the tent is it is it fog or raining so hard or fog why? and rain yeah. so it just becomes i mean it's just so raining so much is just why you get out and the fog i guess could be the fogs that you're in issue. the cliffs and stuff that's yeah is that what the issue is it's a it's a safety issue with the fog or you just can't see any animals so what's the use getting out yeah that that's it jeremy and and i
1: it's, it's different. Like, so if you're hunting, um, the interior, like say you're hunting the Yukon, for example, well, you can easily get rain where the clouds are way above the mountains. And so it's raining all day, but you can still see. And so you get out and you rough it and you get wet and you're in the rain and you're glassing and you're, you know, and it, and it works. And, you know, I recommend glassing shelters and things like that. You can sit under and glass and you can still hunt and the, the rain comes and goes and it gets clear and, And it's workable, but when you're on the coast, those clouds come in low and they hit the mountains. And so you can't see 20, 30 yards. And so to just walk around in the fog when you can't see 20 to 30 yards looking (laughs) for deer getting soaking (laughs) wet. I mean, it just, it's, it's not, I mean, it's not impossible. It's not impossible, but maybe it's not realistic. Maybe it's not the best use of your energy. Um, You know, we have a guide in Terrace. You know, when it's like that in Terrace, most of us say, "Hey, I'm not getting out of the tent. I can't see 30 yards. It's pouring rain. I'm I'm just not doing it." And you'll stay in the tent three or four days sometimes. But we have this one guide, Brad, who says, "I'm getting out every single day for an hour, no matter what. I don't care what it's like." And he gets his client out of the tent and they go on a hike. And he has, over the last ten years, killed a couple goats doing that. So. It does happen, so it's it, yeah. maybe it is a good investment. I, I, I try to, I try to be smart. You know, you don't want to get soaking wet. That comes back to judgment and safety. Um, you want to make sure you always, no matter what, that you have a tent and a dry sleeping bag and at least one layer of clothing that's dry at all times. You never ever get everything wet. That's when it becomes a safety issue.
0: Yeah, and so. Sure.
1: You can get pretty dang wet as long as you have a tent and a dry sleeping bag, you know, because um, yeah. you can always go back to that. Now, finding it is another issue, another safety issue.
0: But, <laughs> you know, if, yeah, if fog comes in while you're out and you got to get back to your tent. Yeah, yeah. I, I highly
1: recommend that nobody hunts, backpack hunts Southeast Alaska if they do not understand how to use topo maps and GPSs. Because when it fogs in, I don't care how good you are. I don't care how good your sense of direction is. When you can't see 20 yards, I'm telling you, you will get turned around. You will walk in circles. You will not find where you're going and you will, you will not find your tent and it it becomes a safety issue. You have to understand, you have to have downloaded topo maps because you know, there's no cell coverage. So you download them before you go. You have to know how to use them and read them. So you can read where the ridges are, where the valleys are all of that. And then you always mark your tent. I mean, I, I use a a GPS watch and I have my in reach and I have my phone. So I have triple redundancy on camp. I I can get to camp. I can always get to my dry sleeping bag and tent. Um, and then being able to navigate. I mean, if you can't navigate with GPS and, excuse me, with topo maps, um, then you, you could just never hike when it's foggy and just stay, wait until it's clear to, to navigate, but you at least need the ability to do waypoints because if, while you're out, you get fogged in, you got to be able to get back.
0: Yeah, exactly. Man. Yeah. A lot of things you don't think about, but it's pretty critical for sure. It's so, gnarly country, man. It really is gnarly. It's. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so how geez. many days were you guys stuck in your tent this trip? I mean, how many days were you, you know, 14 days there. It was terrible. Really. 11 days. 11 days in your it, tent? Terrible, Jeremy. Dude, and what do and you everybody
1: do? Yeah, no kidding. What do you do? <laughs> everybody said it's the worst year that they've seen in 30 years. All oh, all man. through the north, British Columbia, the Yukon, Alaska, Everybody's saying the weather has been worse this year than they've seen in 30 years. So really? Yeah. So we just got caught in that and we're right on the leading edge, Southeast Alaska. It takes the brunt of it before it hit starts hitting BC and the Yukon. So, um, yeah, it was brutal, man. And, but you know, we still had success. You know, everybody yeah. got, everybody got shot opportunities. I shot the giant buck. I mean, it's, it, it was, it was a great, a great hunt regardless, because when it clears for a few hours, you get out and you're right in the deer. Yeah. You know? But you, you, you do got to watch all the time. I, when I'm fogged into the tent, I look outside every hour. I'm like, what's going on out there, you know? And, uh, got to get ready so, to jump on it.
0: Yeah. So who, who you, you and Luke, which is your buddy and who else was with you? Your son,
1: Jake and, okay. um, and his friend, Tyler, I coached him in wrestling. And right so on. I thought he was a great kid and Jake is good buddies with him. So we invited them.
0: Cool. And, and so who was hunting you and you and Jake? And Tyler, and Tyler, he also yeah okay yeah and, and Jake and Tyler
1: passed a lot of bucks, yeah. and uh, th- they passed a lot of opportunities. You know, we've got video of Tyler um, coming to full draw at thirty yards on a on a nice three point, and and it was it just never lined up for some reason. Um, you know, just the timing of when they chose to pass and when they chose to shoot just didn't quite line up. And then we did have our exit from our mountain range we chose to um may instead of doing like a uh there and back to where we got dropped off we decided to do a huge through hike and then go down through down to the ocean and it got to the point where we realized that we had kind of bitten off more than we could chew uh-huh. and it was ugly i mean really the ex- oh my gosh the cliffs Just and trying stuff. to navigate down the cliffs we had to go through and there were these big, uh, anyway, it, these big holes in the ground that were like all over and you had to like weave through them and walk across these little bridges and stuff. It was crazy. Um, and you know, it, it became like, I don't know guys, if we should shoot a couple deer at this point, like we gotta, we gotta get out of here, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but, but the, yeah, so those guys didn't kill,
0: they had plenty of opportunities, but it just didn't happen. Sweet. Well, it sounds like, man, it sounds like a fun hunt. So, but Jake kind of made up for it. Sounds, <laughs> yeah, because like, you, know, you guys finished that hunt. Jake and his buddy flew home, but you went on to your next hunt. Yep. And Jake, you know, you guys live here in Utah, and if if any listeners are familiar with the Wasatch Front, it's a, it's an awesome deer unit we have, but it is tough hunting. Yeah. It's steep. It's thick. It's archery only because there's a lot of ski resorts and, and trails and just a lot, of, a lot of people out enjoying the outdoors. And so they've made it archery only. So for that reason, there's a lot of nice bucks on this unit, but it is not a cakewalk. So Jake comes home from that adventure, gets his gear and heads up on the Wasatch Front by himself and shoots a nice muley buck. Yeah. I'm so pumped. Like that's a proud moment as a
1: father. No kidding. Yeah. I think your, your, your boys have killed a couple of deer this month, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say probably within from, from, from the time, you know, just, I'm, I'm just looking at the calendar and I'm like, okay, they got home this day and Jake goes up hunting had to be within days of when Jake killed his buck. I'm driving home from work. And my son calls and, and we're supposed to leave the next morning to go. So Cody calls me. We're supposed to leave in the next morning to go to Conley's deer unit. Cause he drew a book Cliffs tag, which is in oh, eastern okay. Utah, along yeah. the Colorado border and really good deer unit. So he calls and I'm thinking he's going to be asking me like, Hey, what should I pack in the coolers? Or should I go get ice? I, I answer the phone, you know, and I'm, and he says, dad, dad, I just shot a buck.
1: I'm like, what? <laughs>
0: I'm like, you just shot a buck. And he's like, yeah, I just, I just ran up on the Wasatch. He's like, you know, that spot where we, we've seen deer go into this stand of pines and bed down. I'm like, yeah. He's explained the spot. I'm like, I know the spot. He's like, I snuck in there, dad. I snuck in there and they were bedded. I saw a two point. I saw a three point. I saw a spike. And then dad, I saw the biggest buck that I've ever shot. I don't even know what he is yet, dad. I just drew back. The deer stood up and I freaking smoked him. He's like, I don't even know. I don't know if it's a three point or a four point, but it's the biggest frame to deer I've ever shot. And I haven't even gone to look for my arrow, but I saw it go right, right in the money spot, dad. And so I just wanted to call and tell you, cause once I drop off to go look for my arrow, I won't have service. Dude. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, That's dude, so I'll cool. be there. I'll be there in 35 minutes. Just, you can go look for your arrow. You can look for blood and you can go look for the deer. I'll find you. But don't do anything else because we're going to get some good pictures and stuff. So, sure enough, dude, I run up there. I go to the spot. I find the beds. I find the first drop of blood. And I just did like, like a little hoot out, like woohoo, you know. And they heard me. They were only 40 yards down the hill in the trees. And so they hollered back. And and I went down there. And, dude, it is like, it's a bigger velvet buck than I've shot. I mean, it's a, wow. it's like, like a, it's, I mean, and, uh, and I've not shot any giants, but it's like a 160 mule deer and it's nice you know both of my boys are there and they're just grinning ear to ear and we took some awesome pictures but um, yeah I, I haven't seen a picture of this yet you gotta send me one yeah i'll send it and you're you, and so. the book cliffs buck too because you guys killed oh, yeah. a buck there so, too right so we got up got home late that night got the deer taken care of got up the next morning got the antlers to the taxidermist to be treated and all that stuff and then we take off to the book cliffs and uh the next morning i watched conley uh she, stock and shoot a 28 inch buck down on the book cliff so you know in in 36 hours my boys both uh whacked some awesome mule deer and and it had to be within a day or two of when jake shot his buck and i saw those pictures and he shot a nice four point oh man we gotta follow their lead jeremy
1: (laughs) i know right (laughs) yeah i mean you haven't killed yet in utah have you I have not killed
0: yet this year. Bro, uh,
1: so. Nor have I. So, we, yeah, we got to get on this. But that's... Oh, man. As a parent, you know, when I got that in-reach message, I was out of... I was in the bush, you know, but I got this in-reach message. Dad, I just shot a buck. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, man. I'm like, and who's with need... you? Who's with you? Nobody. I'm all
0: alone. Really? That's, That's awesome. so cool. So cool. So he, he took care of the deer himself, quartered up. and Yeah. Yeah. He, up. he
1: did all the quartering. Um, but he, he had some friends that were, um, not too far away doing some outdoor stuff up, up in, in the Wasatch front. And so he told them and they actually went out and, and helped him pack it out. Cool. Uh, so he didn't have to carry all the weight himself, but he did all the work and, took some self photos and i'm like i texted him, i'm like jake get some pictures even though you don't want to
0: you know get pictures yeah. even though
1: you're alone set, set your your timer <laughs> on you know
0: yeah yeah we actually just did a podcast of, and it's it should have by the time this podcast airs that one will have gone live but on taking photos and oh nice sure you take the time that even if you're by yourself try and get photos so good advice from the yeah father to his son there for sure but um well dude i'm looking forward to you know i I, it sounds like you shot a giant and when it's official what he scores we all want to know um it's interesting we we talked uh recently to chuck adams and he said that was um you know he's he's shot a lot of world records Yep, and a lot of them he thinks a lot of them he thinks are not obtainable he says but he says someday someone's going to break the blacktail, and someone someday someone's going to break the coos deer and he had a few you know but, yeah mountain um, caribou mountain caribou was one yep. yeah so he kind of knows his stuff but um so it was interesting to hear him say that and then you, you come home with you know some giant and i'm not saying it's a world record well, I'm just who knows? i can't wait to hear it, dude, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> I, I
1: i can't wait to have them officialed like it's 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 a pretty exciting deer i'll tell you that right on more than i expected
0: cool so, well dude um it's been fun catching up on your hunt um if guys are interested i mean i'm sure you're open to you know some guys reaching out to you if they sure. just want to get a few more details if this is on their list like man i gotta go do that this sounds amazing yeah. um we can we can connect some guys with you just yeah dm me details. on instagram that's the best right on yeah. perfect cool dude well you got anything else no that's it man
1: i it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you jeremy and um... These uh, these these podcasts have been very interesting. I'm I'm so impressed with what you guys are doing. I I feel like um you know um they, they've everything I've heard so far on uh, from our guests that that I've been involved with, and then uh, you know Danny as well. There's a there's a lot of credibility. It's oh yeah, it's, it's nice. It's yeah. really nice to, to see that.
0: Yep, yep. And it's been such a fun project, and and um, I'm just glad you're back in town so you can get back and uh, start. I'm back in town for episode. a couple days. days. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to make the best of it while you're here. This is a tough time. We're all out hunting, but um, yeah, we got to keep, uh, keep recording podcasts. So right on. Well, I leave next Thursday, let's do another one. All right, man. Sounds okay. good. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for tuning in everybody. We'll catch you next time. All right. Bye.